0: With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad Podcast. All right, get to read our iTunes review of the week. So nowadays it's called Apple Podcasts. So we got uh, Dante in Connecticut. Dante says, Dan's podcast is absolutely on the mark. He is an authentic and sincere person who brings his love of life and God to this wonderful podcast. Also, even though the title deals with dad, I strongly encourage everyone to take a listen. You will not be disappointed by the wonderful stories and lessons. Dante, I appreciate you so much. I know that one's an alias because you sent me a text when you, uh, when you put this one in. I know where you're at and where you're at in life. So uh, keep loving God. And uh, I know you're going through a, a different time right now, but you'll get through this, man. I appreciate you. All right. So today I'm so fired up and excited. Got introduced to Vernon Fox by a great guy, Anthony Trucks. And so cool to to be connected to Vernon. Not only did he play in the NFL, but he played for the Chargers, the Lions, the Redskins, the Broncos. Played with one good friend of mine on two different teams, which is absolutely amazing. Got his jersey, retired from uh, his high school, Cimarron Memorial, and uh, went to Fresno State. Got his degree. Two-time all-whack conference defensive back. Just absolutely amazing, all the, the list of football awards and stuff that you've you've accomplished. Coached a high school football team, won a title, associate minister at the City Refuge Church of God in Las Vegas, so the home of Stephen Jackson. <laughs> So just absolutely phenomenal. And not only that, you're in leadership coaching these days and just retired. I guess we'll call it that from being a football coach. So I want to welcome Vernon Fox to the podcast. Vernon, welcome. So excited to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Dan. I'm excited to be here. It's an honor and a privilege.
0: Excellent, excellent. I'm just so intrigued by the NFL background that you've got, especially with the teams that you were on. You got to play for, I don't know if there's 10 phenomenal coaches. You got to play for three of them that are just off the charts, Shanahan and Gibbs and uh, Marty Schottenheimer. God God rest Marty's soul. Um, He just passed away recently. And uh, obviously I want to talk about what you've done and everything, but floored by the coaches. And then with with Schottenheimer's recent passing or Coach Marty, Thought you might want to talk a little bit about coaches and then also about Coach Marty too.
1: Sure, yeah, no, I was, I was tremendously blessed to play for some great leaders and coaches. You know, like you mentioned, some guys may get a chance to play for one in their career, but I had a chance to play for a number of influential coaches, you know, starting with Marty, um, who gave me my first opportunity uh, with the formerly known as the San Diego Chargers team in 2002, and I uh, was brought in as an undrafted rookie free agent he gave me my first shot. And uh, I, I just recall the, uh, the level of leadership and his effectiveness as a coach. You know, one of the most knowledgeable coaches I've really ever been around. I don't think that there wasn't a position that he couldn't coach. And uh, just his ability to motivate was kind of unlike any other coaches I'd been around. And so, you know, I'm forever grateful for him giving me that opportunity. From there, I went on to the Detroit Lions, uh, where I was coached by uh, Steve Mariucci, who is the quintessential players' coach, man. Every mooch, player, mooch. Yeah, every player does <laughs> ever play for mooch, I guarantee you know they love him. He was he was player friendly and uh, just a good all around guy. And then I had a chance to play for the Hall of Fame, uh, Joe Gibbs, uh, which is probably the highlight of my career. You know, playing for a strong man of God um, like Joe and just his leadership ability and and, and just his love for the players. Uh, was something that you know emanated from him and that you were able to experience through that you know playing for him and then i ended my career playing for uh, mike shanahan and uh, obviously you know he he has a long history of success and man just just an amazing career and i I really appreciate god for the opportunity to kind of you know follow behind such great leaders
0: wow what did you take from a leadership standpoint from any of those coaches
1: I think, you know, one of the things you mentioned that I I went into coaching, uh, which really wasn't on my radar and maybe we'll end up talking about this a little bit, but I ended up coaching three years after I had retired, you know, uh, took over as a head coach at a a large private school here in Las Vegas. One of the things I did was I tried to take qualities from each of those individuals. In my mind, the, the concept of leadership is, it boils down to one word, which is influence. I feel like the most effective coaches have the ability to do two things. Uh, one is to motivate and one is to teach. And so each of those coaches kind of had their way of, of doing both of those things, um, or maybe they were really good at one. And so I tried to take qualities from each of them and, and really build the platform of who I could be as a coach and as a leader. There was tons that I learned from each of them.
0: What about Marty? Tell, tell us a little bit about Coach Marty. I, I, I've read a few things about him. I've followed him for years. I I went to college close by Kansas City, but I know he I know he had an impact on you. Yeah. So there's there's one one lesson that I saw you shared the other day. If you don't talk about it, I'll 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 ask a follow up to make for sure that we catch it. So I'll, yeah. I'll let I'll let you just share a little bit, and then we'll get into a few things.
1: Sure. Um. You know, Marty was was really vital to me growing as a player as as a professional. Um, I mentioned he he gave me my first opportunity there in San Diego. You know, the first thing I'll say about him is that he was the premier motivator. So I don't know if you've ever seen like you know his story on NFL Network, but like he is the one that could jerk tears out of you before a pregame, you know, or or at halftime. His speeches were just kind of second to none. <laughs> when I say, when I say a motivator, like he, he literally could, could make you want to run through a brick wall. And, and the thing I loved about him was that he could teach you how to get through that wall as well. So it wasn't just like, you know, pumping you up for fanfare. Like he could really kind of motivate you and teach you at the same time. Um, But some personal experiences I had with him, uh, my rookie year, I, I was fearful mess. You know, I walked in, I was a six string strong safety. I was the smallest guy, you know, in the defensive <laughs> backfield at safety and, you know, playing behind guys like Rodney Harrison and junior say And it was, it was crazy experience. And I, I remember just, you know, going to work every day and just saying, I'm going to, I'm going to just do everything that I can in my power to prove that I belong here and just playing through the fear, to be honest. And uh, I remember he came up to me one day on the field and he goes, he goes, man, you know, you are a gym. He's like, you, you are, one of the, the, the best finds that we could have gotten, you know, as a free agent. He's like, I'm really not sure how you got through without getting drafted, but we're happy to have you. And that made me feel like, I, I can't even explain the words because I was kind of struggling with my confidence and, you know, not getting drafted was something that really kind of impacted me and, and was a huge blow, you know, probably to my pride more than anything. And uh, so that was kind of the first experience. And then once I finally made that final 53-man roster, I was backing up Rodney Harrison. And in our first game of the year, he went down with an injury. So I, I went in. I finished the game. We won the game. We're on the plane. We're headed back from Cincinnati to San Diego. And, and I walked by him. And he's like, hey, um, you know, come here. I need to talk to you for a moment. I'm scared to death. Because I'm thinking like, oh no, maybe I'm getting sent home, I'm getting cut. You know, I, I didn't know yes. what, what to think in that moment. And he said, well, you know, Rodney is is injured, and and you're up. And I was just like, what do you mean? And he's like, we're gonna be going with you moving forward. You'll be you'll be starting. And I, I just couldn't believe it to go from being undrafted and one of the last guys signed to that roster to you know going into my second week as a starter in the NFL was just unbelievable. I was on the plane looking out of the window. You know,
0: Undrafted which, to starter in the NFL.
1: I mean, just nothing. that but quick. God. Yeah, absolutely. hundred And I was close to quitting, to be honest. You know, when I didn't get drafted, I was thinking, okay, well, I got my degree, you know, I, I had a postgraduate scholarship and, you know, I could go and pursue a master's. I, I really considered giving up football and to think that in a matter of four months, you know, how that story got flipped around and, and, and things were totally different. I was just grateful. And so Marty was just a big part of that journey. The next week when I was starting, I was sitting there and I'm shaking and jittering. And, you know, I'm running out on the field when I shouldn't be. And he grabbed me and he's just like, calm down. He's like, you're ready for this moment. And uh, and sure enough, I, I went out performed. we won. I got an interception against my old buddy, David Carr. It was it an was amazing day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did you play at Fresno with him?
1: I did. I did. So, yeah, I was there. You know, a funny thing I tell a lot of people, you know, everyone's more familiar with Derek Carr now, a lot of the younger guys. Yeah. And I tell them, I'm like, man, Derek was like a little kid running around when I was there with, with his bigger brother, David. He, he was the man back then.
0: <laughs> so, these uh, different coaches and things, and Marty saying what he did to you reminds me of like, when I was growing up, there was the coaches and then assistant coaches and different things. And then the dads, like we just had such an, they had such an influence on me, such an impact on me. And there were certain coaches that had that way, like, like Marty did for you, that just gave you so much confidence and made you feel like you belonged and you were vital and the team needed you. And so I, I loved hearing that story about, about Marty, what he did for you. I was talking to a guy, you know, Dre Bly and I yep. said hey man you know a defensive back pretty dang good cornerback and I said hey man uh what was it like playing for coach Martz you know mad Mike a little little bit crazy a little bit eccentric certainly had a big personality and uh it seemed like he could choose some guys pretty good too like just get on them and Dre being a defensive back and Mike being an offensive guy I expected to hear maybe a little bit different viewpoint than uh, the offensive players. And instead he jumped out. He goes, I love playing for Mike. Yeah. So what was it, you know, all the passes and all the catches and the high flying, you know, we scored a whole bunch of points and you could, you know, do whatever you did on defense. And he goes, no, he goes, Mike said, if you see a play, make it, I believe in you, you can do it. And he goes, he did that for everybody, offense, defense, special teams. It didn't matter. He totally had your back. If you believe you can make the play, he goes, and he would always try to set you up in a position where you could do it. I mean, like, he didn't even mess with the defense. He goes, no, nah, he really didn't know too much about defense.
1: <laughs>
0: but he did know talent, and he, he inspired confidence. And and like you said, you know, he goes, I felt like I could – and this is Dre's words. He goes, I felt like I could run through a brick wall for that guy because he believed in me so much
1: right. that I
0: didn't have a fear of making a mistake.
1: Right. I think it's important, you know, listening to you and hearing you say that those were some of the things that as a coach, you know, I remembered as a player, you know, I I guess my approach to coaching was that everything I felt like I needed as a player, I tried to offer my players, anything that I felt hindered me or became a stumbling block for me as a player. I tried to avoid those things and, and tried to teach my staff to always be considerate of putting, you know, the student athlete first. And so that, that really was just my approach. And, and like you said, so many young men, they just need to, to feel like someone believes in them and to feel like, you know, they can do it because it's not something that they hear every single day. And, and then offering them balance where they understand like, hey, I, I, wanna, I wanna pump you up, but I wanna challenge you at the same time. Because the other aspect of those great coaches that I didn't mention, is that yeah, they, they, they could get on you and they could hold you accountable as well. And I think that's important. It's the same thing you know, as with the father, I'm a father of two. And as much as I wanna love my kids, as much as I wanna nurture them and I wanna cultivate and pump them up and build their confidence, I also wanna keep them humble. And so I have to find that delicate balance in where they know I'm their number one supporter, but they also know I'm not going to let them get by without being excellent or performing to the best of their ability at whatever it is that they do.
0: Yeah. And how old are they?
1: So my daughter is 13. She'll be 14 here in uh, about a month. And my son is 11.
0: Okay. Okay. Man, mine are eight and seven, both daughters.
1: Nice. (laughs) And and I can
0: see that 13, 14 year old coming. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's felt like she's been a teenager for a lot longer than she has been and it just got intensified when she really became one so <laughs>
0: yeah 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 any any tips for those of us that haven't made it to there yet with daughters like uh, talk yeah. to me
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if i'm qualified yet to give advice I, it's still early for me but one of the things i do with my daughter is i, I really try and and help her understand her values like I, yes. I just wanted to know how valuable she is. And and even when it comes to just expressing the things of God and, and God's plans for her life and and who she is and how he designed her and created her, I, I try to highlight all of her gifts and all of her talents and, and to make sure that she knows if she if she doesn't hear from anybody else, I want her to hear from dad. You know, we spend a lot of time just talking and that one on one of me just building her up and making sure that you know, when she goes out in the world, if no one else, you know, helps her understand how valuable she is, she can know that she got it, you know, at home.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I want her to have her value in herself and know that God loves her no matter what dad does too. Amen. (laughs) But no matter what happens in life, you're good. Yes, sir. Like you're good, so I see too many, uh, too many girls that have had different things, and people, you know, they get a different type of attention than we get.
1: Right, right, hundred percent.
0: So yeah, I'm like, you know, down the road, those girls might be mean to you, or you know, what have you. But you just be you, like right. go through life being you, and knowing knowing that those type of things don't affect you unless you let them.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that's that, that that we're sharing in and she's getting kind of to that, that mean girl stage. So, you know, where she's experiencing the girls that, you know, give her the pushback for, you know, holding her ground or standing in integrity or, you know, being different. And, you know, I'm just getting her to understand that it's nothing wrong with that. You know, be yourself at all times, never back or shrink away from who you are and how God created you to, to please people because people are going to come and go. But you know, those that really matter most and most certainly, you know, living a life that pleases God is is primary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. People come and go because it, yes, it's true. You know,
1: we, we both know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Your grade school friends, a couple of them might stick around. A couple of your high school friends might stick around. A couple of your cop, maybe
1: right. at best,
0: you know, Absolutely. but down the road, it's going to be your family and, uh, you know, whoever you marry. Yes, sir. Excellent. So any other crazy NFL stories or anything that stands out that, that we should dive into? I know I was kind of looking at the teams you were on and I love that you're with Dre. And mm-hmm. I was hoping to find a Tory Holt, you know, scoring a bunch of touchdowns or something, but instead I found an Isaac Bruce scoring three touchdowns.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? I had a one of the more exciting games I've ever played in um and, and personal achievement games was, was against St. Louis. Um, Okay. I was with the Redskins. So I, I guess it may have been my second or third start. I was with the Redskins and we were playing against St. Louis in St. Louis. I had one of those games that to this day just seemed unreal. And I'm so happy that I actually have the footage. I requested the game film after the game and they gave it to me. It might even be like on a DVD or something. I have no idea, but right. I Remember, it was a crazy game. We ended up losing in in overtime. So Steven Jackson okay. uh, pulled off a, a run and, and the game was won. But in this game, so I started at, at safety and I had 11 tackles on defense. I had a pass deflection. I had a blocked punt, and I was on the kickoff team. Now, this was the first time that I pretty much played the entire game. I never came off the field because ordinarily, you know, if you were playing a a greater role on offense or defense, they kind of dialed you back on special teams. But for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, this game, I never came off the field, and I was dog tired, so I remember that. But I ran down, and on every kickoff, so there were seven of them, I had seven solo tackles on kickoff. I made every tackle and I think four of them were inside the 20. It was was ridiculous. And so I remember after the game, obviously we lost the game. I'm just exhausted and spent. And I remember um, uh, Joe Gibbs saying, you know, if we won this game 100%, you would have been the NFC player of the week. He's just like, there's no way you wouldn't have been, you know, the defensive player of the week. And so I never got to see an accolade like that, but it would have been pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, they they were a tough team to beat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you could you could uh, tackle some people. You could put the hammer down on some people.
1: I did my best. I mean, I was a little guy, so I had to be aggressive and fast. You know, I tell my son that because you know he's like, "Dad, am I gonna get taller?" I'm like, "I hope." <laughs> I mean, you know, mom's pretty tall. She's 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 about five eight and. You know, I'm, I'm probably scratching 5'10". I'm like, but, you know, hopefully you, you'd be taller than dad at least.
0: So you mentioned Steven Jackson a second ago. So playing the safety position, what was that like seeing him coming at you?
1: You know what? I, I played against a ton of good running backs. And, you know, I know Steven personally. We both grew up in Vegas. Um, okay. Played, played against him in college when he was at Oregon State. Yeah. Um, point we had the same agent. And, um and so you know it was cool to get a chance to play against him in the league but he was he was a monster i mean <laughs> like that you you know that you can't hit him up high um and not only that he was elusive and fast so you know you had to try to get to him quick and wrap up that was that was the one thing you had to know because if not i mean he he could run all over you
0: yeah he was he was confident and he picked that number 39 he says said, said, why'd you do that he says Nobody else has got it. I want to make a name for myself. When people think 39, I want them to think of me. Nice. Uh, so, that, so that was pretty cool. It was get, good getting to hang out with him. And then did you play with Mike Fury, too?
1: I did. I did. So so Mike actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, so this was in Detroit.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Mike, yeah. And I remember at one point um, he was a receiver, and they actually yes. put a- defense as well yes he over and play some safety with he us played
0: cornerback he played safety and he played wide receiver in the nfl
1: <laughs> he did it all
0: you you might not believe this one but he led the league in receptions really yes
1: what year was that
0: maybe 2006
1: 2007 yeah i i know i know that he was used a lot, like a Wes Welker and you yes, know, those guys Edelman. Like he was, he was, he was really valuable. A guy that can get you know five foot
0: nine one. Just works hard though, man seventy five or so.
1: <laughs> guys like that you love, man. Because may have been two hundred.
0: He was a pretty thick guy, but
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, you came into the league as a backup, backup cornerback. And now you led the league in receptions as a wide receiver and you like baseball better than football, like just a crazy story. So. Absolutely. So that's Mike Martz uh, using people where they were talented is how Mike Fury got to be leading the league in receptions.
1: That's awesome. Another sign of a good coach is figuring out how to utilize guys. You know, I, I was excited, Um, you know, this past week, uh, rookie for for Tampa Bay Buccaneers you know got a chance to you know win a Super Bowl in his rookie year as a kid that played for us at the high school that I coached no at. way yeah, he was a part of our state championship team in 2013 and um, and the thing that I love about it is you know myself and another um, you know my offensive coordinator at the time the minute we see this guy the offensive coordinator is like man he's not a tight end you know, he's six. He's, he's athletic. I think back then he's, you know, just under 300, but just the athletic kid. He goes, this kid is a, a left tackle. He's like, I'm telling you. And I said, well, we'll have some fun trying to convince him of that. He's a <laughs> basketball player and a tight end. And uh, sure enough, he he took to the position, ended up being uh, uh, lineman of the year, both on offense and defense, his junior and senior year. Uh, went to Boise State, and, and now, you know, in his first year, Wins a Super Bowl, so it's pretty cool when you can. I think that's a sign of a good coach when you can see where a guy is valuable and you know help him realize his potential.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is amazing, and uh, you might tip him, tip him off that uh, he might not be going back to the Super Bowl every year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I won't spoil it for him.
0: <laughs> I was talking to Tori Holt, and Tori's like, "Man, I, I win the Super Bowl my first year." <laughs> And I just thought we had such a good team. we just keep going back.
1: Man, talking to a guy that made it to the playoff one time in eight years. So yeah. 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 It's It's a rare experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So transitioning from uh, NFL to high school coaching and now with your leadership, what are some like, when you think about family, when you think about leadership, what are some things that you think about uh, that you want to impress upon your family, maybe some core values and things that you build around?
1: You know, there, there, there are a few you know core values that I think are um, transferable, uh, whether it's as a parent, it's as a coach, um, just as a leader in general. And one of those things that that I really stress upon, anyone that spends a significant amount of time around me, you'll hear me talk about intentionality. I feel like you have to be intentional in order to achieve any level of success, um, any goals that you set for yourself, um, any mission that that you subscribe to, there has to be a process of intentionality. You know, a lot of people just hope, wish, pray. And, and that's great. I mean, even having faith, you know, the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. You know, mm-hmm. so we can hope, wish, pray, uh, trust God that, that things will happen and, and work out the way that we want them to. But there's a requirement on our part. And that means waking up every single day um, and being intentional about running in the direction of the goal that it is that you're seeking to accomplish. You know, I like to say it like this. Goals are kind of like the first downs on the way to the touchdowns of your dreams. And, you know, when you when set these standards or these goals for yourself, for your family, um, for your organization, for your business, there are tangible plans and goals and action steps that you have to take in order to do it. And so it was just a reminder every day as a coach, you know, I I talk about being intentional, you know, to my children. I tell them you have to be intentional when I have the chance to consult organizations or teams or businesses. um, I'm saying the same thing. You have to be intentional. Once you set that mission, that vision for your organization or your family, now you have to set a plan in place in order to get to where it is that you're trying to go.
0: I love intentionality and that's something that people have, goals concepts things that they want to do I'm like okay what's your plan and how do you account you know uh well i'm just gonna get it done <laughs> like well there, i think there should be some steps in the way and there should be some you know things you do every day some habits you build and things like that so it's, i'm like okay i, I like what we're working with now let's let's build something into it and even on like off days So I talked to a lot of guys and I'm like, you know, what's your Saturday, Sunday look like or what's your off days look like? Well, I I don't plan anything for those days.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So with nothing planned on those days, what do you feel like you accomplish on those days? Oh man, it's family all day, every day. Okay. And what do you get out of that? Uh, Whatever happens. I'm like, no, let's, I I would think you probably want to change something, you know, whatever that might be. And they always, what do you mean? I'm like, well, do you want to work out on those days? I do. Cool. When? Well, I end up never doing it because the things that happen happen and I end up missing. Oh, okay. You want to talk to your kids about whatever? Ah, what about Sunday? Ah, you know what? We miss church a lot. <laughs> I'm like, these seem like important things. They sound like important things. Like, right. might you start putting them on? You know, I probably should put a couple of chunks in there of must do's and certain times. And okay. What about talking with your wife? you know, I should, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, and eventually they come around like, you know, all that stuff that I do for business, I should apply that at home too. I should win at work and win at home.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's transferable and, and it applies in every aspect. You know, even when you said that, I was just kind of listening to you and I was thinking to myself, you know, because people may not think that a day of rest or a day spent with your family, like, you know, what's the value in that? that can be a part of your action steps or your plan, you know, that it just has to have, it has to be intentional as well. So it can't just be haphazard or random. It has to be a part of the plan because what ends up happening is then that can't be disrupted when you're intentional about it. So you you don't allow a phone call or an email to take you off task. You know, that day that you've decided to spend with your family, you know, you're intentional about that. So that means that Maybe I'm not spending this time on social media or on my phone or you know, this time that I am with my family, I am present because that's a big thing that I, I've had to learn is that there's a big difference in, in, in being you know, there and being present. You know, Cause I can be there and my kids can be talking to me and you know, I have no idea what they're talking about. And when they ask me a question, I have to stop what I'm doing and say, okay, say that again. And it's it's a it's a telltale sign that I'm I'm not dialed in, I'm not present, I'm I'm just there, my, my body's there, but I'm not present in the moment. And so I really try to practice being present and, and laying aside distractions so that I can be available to them because this world is too busy, there's so much going on, you know, we're so distracted, and if we don't intentionally you know, set aside moments and space for, you know, our family and, and the things that matter most. And, you know, we'll continue to just, you know, not really be there in those moments that are necessary to cultivate those relationships and to make sure that, you know, things are going in the direction that they should.
0: Have you got an example of a time, you know, maybe something you always do or a a time that you set aside for something special to be intentional with your family?
1: There's a few things. Now when it comes to 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 my family, so for instance, my, I bought a book for my daughter. I, I bought her a book um, and it's and it's about um, saving yourself for marriage. Mm-hmm. Along with this book, when I presented this book to her, I also gave her a promise ring from dad. And mm-hmm. you know, I explained to her the value of that ring. I explained to her why I was giving it to her. And I explained to her what that book represented. And so what we try to do is we set aside time where we sit together just her and I, and, and I'll literally read out loud the chapter to her. So I'll read when I come across a concept or a word that I think maybe she doesn't know what it is and she probably wouldn't ask. I'll stop and I'll say, you know what that means? And she'll tell me yes. And if she does, I'll let her explain. And, and if she doesn't, then I'll do my best to explain. And if I don't know, I'll look it up so both of us can know. And, uh, and so we do that, we, we pray together and we have a discussion. And that's just time for me and her, you know, and and I, I love being the one to present that to her and not allowing the world to give their concept of what, you know, sex and purity and, you know, what God's word has to say concerning it. So that's one thing in particular that, you know, at least with my daughter that, that I try to do um, and build some consistency intentionality around it.
0: So you brought it up. So I'll, I'll dive in a little bit there. We've got dad, obviously male, daughter, obviously female. And a lot of guys I talk to say, oh, no, that one's not for me. That's not my (laughs) conversation. How'd you you come around to embracing that one?
1: You know, obviously, there's going to be a connection between her and mom. That's going to be different than dad. You know, there's going to be some things discussed that, you know, she won't get from dad. But, but I'll tell you where, where where I really, you know, felt prompted to kind of move in that direction. I've been watching so many things on TV and I've been seeing so many, you know, just negative and, and painful things that we see happen in our country. And, you know, these cases of molestation and, you know, with the trafficking and all of these different things. And as, as you see these things unfold in our country, you'll hear the testimonies of these victims. And it will be two, three, four, ten 10 years that they've gone through these types of things. And, and this is the first time that they're ever coming forth and speaking on it. And I've always thought to myself like, man, why, why didn't they say something? Why didn't they tell someone? And you know, you never know everyone's dynamic. You, you, you don't know the circumstance that they're in. You don't know you know the threats that they're facing. You don't know if they even have someone in their life that they trust enough to go and have those conversations. And that prompted me to, to make sure that my daughter knew that, that, that I was a safe space for her, that there was nothing that she could not talk to me about, that I, I, I wasn't going to judge her. I wasn't going to you know, make her feel a certain way. And I wanted her to feel comfortable having these types of conversations with me, even at a young age, so that you know, if, you know, God forbid, some of these things were, were ever exposed to her or, or she felt uncomfortable or people made her feel a certain way. I wanted her to be able to come and talk to me and say, hey dad, you know, this is taking place. You know We've talked about this before. These are things that you've told me and you know, I don't like the way this makes me feel or what do you think about this? Or from a male's perspective, you know, should I be concerned about this? So I, I wanted to open the door for those conversations and, you know, it took a lot of prayer and bravery because, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable to be there and talk. about, <laughs> in the But, you know, I, I you just got to jump in and, and I, I want my baby girl to know that, that I'm a safe space and that there's nothing that she has to shield from communication when it comes to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, one of the guys I was talking to a long time ago, he told me, he says, it's not one conversation. It's a million little bitty things. Conversations that lead you into it, so you got to start when they're young, and right. just keep going and going and going, and it's more natural. And you know that safe space, like you said, I, I got a group of guys that I mastermind with, and that was a question I threw to them: how do you, how do you provide a safe space for your family? And part of it was having conversations like that, being open to it. And um, yeah, I definitely do think that that us guys, us dads, have a role in our daughter's life to talk about those things.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and that's how it started for me, you know, there there were there were very, you know, minuscule lead-ins that maybe they didn't see, you know, the build-up, but, you know, I'd ask small questions, you know, if it was just, and I, and I always do it one-on-one, I never try to, I don't make them uncomfortable together, it's one-on-one conversations, and I, I ask small questions, hey, you, you know, have you ever heard of this, or, you know, are, are kids your age, you know, talking about this kind of stuff, I just do things like that, and it kind of makes them feel comfortable, like, oh, you know, I I can, I can talk about this, or I can ask him a question. So that's what I try to do.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. What about, uh, what about you've got some, like, you told me earlier, cover, guide, lead, like, I'm into, I always think from a perspective of love God, love your neighbor, love God above all else, and love your neighbor as yourself, which also means you need to love yourself and figure that part out, too. You know, you can't, love somebody else if you don't love yourself but then i I break that down into protect provide and humbly lead your family and then i also include fun just for me because i can get pretty focused and everything else i always got to make sure i'm incorporating fun into wherever i'm at in life otherwise i might get super focused on accomplishment as opposed to enjoying it also Um, but you talk what's that
1: i can be guilty of that as well (laughs)
0: uh and earlier you talked uh before we started about cover guide and our cover lead and guide uh you want to get into that a little bit I love that coming from a defensive back
1: yeah yeah and and, and it, that's funny because it, it's so relatable you know when it comes to that you know as a defensive back that, that's kind of one of the things as, as a safety in particular you know you're kind of one of the quarterbacks of the defense so you know you're kind of guiding things you know, you're the lead on communication on the back end, and and then also like obviously you're you're, you're covering. They, they like to call the the free safety the angel of the defense. You know, the deep, yeah. deepest than the deepest. You know, what I mean, you're the last line of defense. And so I feel like that as a father as well. You know, that my role is to cover my family at all times you know to protect them and and that's in every sense from a physical standpoint you know from a spiritual perspective to lead out and be the example you know I want my kids to see me praying they know you know the spaces in the home where I spend time with God and so if they pop in and they look and they see me they know like you know this is this is quiet time for dad and they don't say anything or but I want them to see those examples because I want them to see my discipline in those areas um, and so that's that's a part of my leading, and then just guiding them in, in the things of God, and and, and teaching them to be uh, a young man and a young woman of character, integrity, accountability, excellence. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, my yeah, son, please do. Yeah, he, uh, he, he's he's big into into video games. So he, okay. he video games, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. I, I don't know because he's he's a little sports guy too. So he he loves football. He loves you know athletics, and all of a sudden. Um, he, he got this affinity for video games and it just came out of nowhere. And so he would, you know, ask me about certain games and there's certain games I just wouldn't let him play. And in the beginning, he didn't really ask questions. He's a good kid. And and I appreciate the fact that, that, that my kids, even when we're not around, they'll try to honor, you know, the things that we've asked them to do or not to do. And so, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that about him. You know, when we gave him cell phones, like, we, we have rules. They have to sign a contract. And so we talk about those things and revisit those things. And so he came to me one day and he said, um, he said, well, dad, um, you know, there's this particular game that you won't let me play. He goes, all of my friends play it. He's like, and, you know, it's kind of frustrating that when they go play that game, then, you know, I just have to kind of sign off and go do something else. He's like, and I don't, I don't really understand he goes, you know, is it make me a bad person if I want to play that game? Or does it make them bad people to play that game? You know, how come they get to when I don't? And I said, well, son, my responsibility, and I'm accountable to God first, is to cover you in every way. And part hmm. of that is covering you spiritually. And so in in many cases, there are some things that you may not see that I'm aware of you know, in the spirit realm that I want to protect your spirit from. I don't want you to allow you to be exposed to certain things that I know can be harmful to you spiritually. And so while it seems like it's not a big deal and, you know, it's just a video game, you know, I know that that desensitization can lead to, you know, you being vulnerable spiritually and I don't want to allow that. So therefore, as your parent, that's the decision I'm making for you. I can't make that decision for, you know, your friends or your cousins or anyone else, they have parents and that's their responsibility. But from my perspective, uh, I am responsible for making sure that you're covered and I can't do that in every way. But when I do have an opportunity, I want to take advantage of that because as a father, that that's what you do. And so I'm teaching him at the same time, I'm covering him and I'm guiding him so that he knows when he's a father, that's what he's supposed to do and, and God is just faithful, man. Like, you know, they read little devotions and, and uh, we have them come and explain to us what they gathered out of the devotion. And sure enough, about a week after that conversation, he comes to me and he goes, Dad, I know what you were talking about. And I'm like, huh? And he pulls open a devotion and literally it's talking about uh, violence in video games and these things and how it can, you know, uh, poison your spirit and, and open you up for all. And I was just like, man, God, you're awesome. Because you know it was solidified. You know it was it was something that God put a stamp on. You know me trying to stay because it's hard to tell them no. You know you want to just let them play like okay, okay. And and it's it's, easier that way. Yeah, absolutely. So so I I think that's my concept of kind of covering, guiding, and leading.
0: It makes me think back to when I was a kid, and as I got older and stepping through things, and I'd do everything I could to get into whatever it was that was popular at the time for the world, but was something I shouldn't have been messing with.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Especially music back in that day, some of the music way back when, and some of the music now is a little crazy too. (laughs) Seems like the craziness has come back around full circle.
1: Absolutely. It's probably, probably worse in some cases now as a coach, you know, I was being in the locker room, so I was kind of exposed to everything. I'm like, what is this stuff you guys listen to?
0: At a private school.
1: Crazy. Yeah, I drove them crazy because I just didn't let them play anything, you know, and I controlled the playlist at practice. They're like, coach, please. I'm like, nah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've got a buddy down in Louisiana and he's like, no, you guys can have parties at our house. But of course, there's no drugs, no alcohol. And you got to give me the playlist before the party.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm like, no way. That's awesome. (laughs) So it's cool. You do that, too.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The funny thing about it is their concept of clean is totally different than than you know the the real concept of what clean music is. You know, it's a lot of suggestive things that are maybe blanked out. I'm like, nah, guys. Like, I I just can't allow that. You know. And so (laughs) they got used to it. I'm sure it drove them crazy, but you know, that's my job. That's a that's a part of our responsibility as leaders.
0: Yep. And now you're doing some leadership coaching, uh, decided to retire from high school coaching, which had to be tough and transition over to coaching, I assume, men, women, anybody who's out there that's looking to do big things.
1: Yeah, definitely. So so one of the things, kind of the way things worked out for me is when I, when I retired in 2010, I kind of went directly into public speaking. And so okay. I've been doing it all along. But you know, as, a, as, a, as an ordained and licensed minister, naturally I, w- I was speaking on a regular basis and ministering. But then I kind of went into the motivational realm where I was doing some motivational and inspirational speaking that transitioned into leadership uh, development and leadership uh, coaching. And once I started coaching, I was kind of just doing it in the off season. So I travel and I do some things. And ironic enough, coaching opened up some doors for me for speaking. So I was actually like then becoming like a consultant for coaches and different people. And, uh, when God kind of gave me the red light on, on my coaching career and and told me that that was over the the next natural thing for me to go into was, was just the coaching, the speaking. Um, I became certified as a life coach and as a minister, naturally it's just something that you do on a regular basis. And then more recently during the pandemic, I started developing a, a, a true platform. So Uh, Right now, I'm in the process of rebranding and and what I'll be um, starting is it's called Culture Coach. And so um, I'm huge on culture. A lot of the things that that I teach is about culture transformation, about leadership development, um, about program and processes and foundational development of your organization or team. And so that's, that's kind of really what I'm going to start focusing on. I think kind of the basis will, will focus on coaches first of athletic programs, um, mm-hmm. great opportunities to kind of do some leadership development and culture transformation within teams and organizations. And so that that's really what I'm digging into right now. And, you know, God has me kind of just really fine tuning that and taking the experience of those seven years and the things that God taught me through that process, the successes, the failures. And uh, just building a platform, you know, an online course, group coaching. So I'm excited about it.
0: Wow. So culture coach. And then that gets all intimidating with the, the websites and the marketing and the.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That part of it is, boy, I, I tell you, I, I'm not good at self-promotion, to be honest. I've always felt uncomfortable with that. You know, it, it's just I've been one of those people where I just kind of show up, do my job and, and that's it. So it's really hard when you step into the space of virtual marketing and promotion and social media. And, you know, when I do social media, it's really just to help people. Like I'll, I'll jump on and I'll, I'll, I'll make a video and it's specifically like God gives me something. And I'm like, I just want to share this with, you know, if it's just one person, you know, I just want to do that. But having to try to build a following and, you know, you're promoting constantly and you're selling and that part of it is difficult for me. I realize that's a part of being an entrepreneur, but it, it does not come easy. So um, I, I pour all of my attention and focus into the content. I'm like, okay, God, I just want to provide something that's valuable and helps people. And, you know, however you help me to, you know, make a living from that, then so be it. But ultimately it's about helping people at the end of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a big believer in just get good at what you do, get good at your craft and then good things will happen. And I always encourage others, hey, if you like what you saw or did or, you know, how I helped you or what have you, love for you to promote in some way, you know, like with this podcast. Hey, love, love for you to do an Apple podcast review, right? And type something like the typing part's the big deal. Yeah. And in, in public speaking or coaching or what have you, I'd love an introduction. If you see somebody that might benefit from a conversation with me and maybe something else just love an introduction type thing yeah. and using their story to promote you so let let others lips promote you not your own Absolutely. i think that's in the bible as well
1: it is, it is. <laughs> i'm 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 a big fan of luke 14 11 it says let those who exalt themselves be humbled and those who humble themselves be exalted so there you go you know it I do my best to work at staying humble. I don't want God to have to humble me.
0: <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. I found every time that I got prideful or started hanging around others who are prideful, I became prideful. Yeah. And man, there was a fall coming. Yes, sir. That's Back before the fall. Yeah, have the seven deadly sins. That's the one I look out for.
1: Yes, sir. Because it
0: usually funny. comes before all the other six.
1: Yeah. And it's sneaky. You you can't see it. You know, it's one of those things that oftentimes you don't recognize in yourself, others can detect it better than you can. Um, but when God exposes it, it's best to deal with it right away because it has the ability to take over.
0: Yeah. So I, you mentioned accountability earlier and I give people in my life permission. I'm like, Hey, if you see something, please come talk to me. (laughs) If I'm stepping a little bit off, you know, correct me right away. I'd rather you know, take one step to the left and get back on the path, and be ten steps off and lost.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's, it's vital to have those people who have permission to to check you, you know, so to say. Um, because if not, man, when you operate on an island alone, it's a dangerous space.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, with the thought of families and dads and Christian leaders, uh, have you got any thoughts about dads as the spiritual leaders of their home? And maybe an example of one way where you've stepped up to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm a firm believer. Obviously, as a, as a minister, you know, one of the things that I get the opportunity to do is officiate weddings. And so Ooh, know, this I is good. A, I have a requirement <laughs> when, when I officiate a wedding, like I don't just do it just to do it. Like I, yeah. I, I need to have a minimum of, you know, a couple of sessions, premarital sessions with you. And that's part of the mandate you know, that I place on on a husband-to-be. It's like, hey, you have to understand that this is, this is what God requires of us. You know, you are to be the head of your home, and that's not just, you know, to bring home the bacon, but, you know, in every way. You are to set the example, you are to set the pace, you are to, to develop the standard. And, and while I recognize that, that not everyone is going to have the, you know, spiritual acuity to, to perform that, you know, in a mature way, that's where it's going to come from first. If you can see that example in your home, man, that's going to, that's going to help you so much more than if you have to go out and experience the ails of life and then, you know, kind of be exposed to it later, just by happenstance or, you know, God's divine orchestration after all of the pain and the struggle, you know, we're going to experience that anyway. You know, my kids are not going to live a perfect life. They're going to go out, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to be human, but, what my goal is, is that they will have seen what a healthy marriage looks like. They, they will have seen what a dad who provides, a dad who covers, guides, and leads, you know, and, and and I think that really helped me because I saw that at home. You know, my dad is, since I've been a kid, he's been my hero. You know, growing up, people say, you know, all these people were their heroes, Michael Jordan and, and, and yeah. Everybody. People ask me, you know, I can remember back being six, seven years old. And I remember people would be like, man, who's your hero? Who do you look up to? And it's always been my dad.
0: Talk like, about your dad for a minute.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm named after him. So that's one of the coolest things, you know, and and I try my best to, to, to be like him. You know, I, I just I saw the example of a selfless father of a selfless husband um, to this day. I mean, he he lives to please his grandkids or, you know, or, or his children. Like he just covers us. He takes care of us. Um, He treats my wife like it's his natural daughter. You know, he's just always been that example. So I had a great example to look up to. And so that, that was the example that was set for me. And so that's what I want to set for my children and my son in particular, like son, this is what, you know, a husband looks like. I took on the same mindset as a coach you know, because to me, coaching was more than just teaching X's and O's. Like, I felt like we needed to be mentors. We needed to be father figures. We needed to be godly examples. And everything that we were asking those young men to be, we needed to first be the example of that in front of them. So I did things on purpose. You know, if my wife came around, I would stop what I was doing, go and, 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 and acknowledge her in front of the team, you know, kiss her in public, you know. Yeah of affection if my kids came around I wasn't afraid to to stop and hug them or tell them I love them out loud I told the boys the same thing you know they knew that coach Fox loved them because I told them every single day you know when I prayed with them I said I love you guys I wanted you to know that and so you know it's just uh I I think it's important to set that example I had that example set for me so I, I try to exemplify the same
0: now with work from home and all that type stuff, my kids come in while I'm on zoom calls and stuff. And I'm like, come on, you know, say hi to my friend, you know, say hi to my clients, my people and everything else. And, you know, they leave and step out of the room. My, you know, whoever's on are like, Oh, that's so great that you allow your kids to, you know, whatever. I'm like, well, they're respectful and they know I'm doing some things, but like, I just love sharing life with them and just being involved with them and, you know, Anyway, I, this whole COVID thing has actually been great. I've loved it.
1: I agree. There, there, there's so many lessons. Obviously there's so much. There's, there's some things, you know,
0: but from the family perspective, I've loved it. Let me clarify that to a degree.
1: It really, it really helped my family in particular, just because we were, we were kind of in a rat race of life. You know, we live busy lives. Uh, My wife and I are heavily involved in ministry and just, you know, personal career endeavors and, you know, with the kids and we were just constantly just running, 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 running. And when we actually slowed down, you know, I, I we realized like, man, there are areas of this house that we've never spent time in. You know, we, we weren't sitting down eating at the table together, you know, wow. we, we, weren't, we weren't cooking regularly. Like it was just so many things that we were able to gain from that time. I bought a little box for Christmas and it's a, it's a, it's a phone jail. So, yeah, we'd sit together, we'd all stick our phone in the phone jail so no one could get their phones and we had to talk and spend time together. Like, <laughs> it's just stuff we didn't do, so yeah, I, I could say that there was a lot that we gained with
0: problem. you a little bit ahead of me with how old your kids are. Okay. I'm like, what do you mean you weren't at the dinner table? Well, because they had stuff going on, you oh, know yeah. sports and activities, and I'm like, that's what I hear about from all my other friends, like just you wait, just you wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm an Uber driver, man. Like, I, I just, I'm at their beck and call all the time. So, you know, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And that was, that's I such walked- a good
0: thing, too, to be in the car one on one with them because oh, yeah. people will talk in a car.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. You have to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Something about being shoulder to shoulder with a guy or a or person, woman, and you're looking this way, but your shoulders are, you know, and you, it just gives you a little bit different way of communicating and kind of permission
1: right it's probably easier for a guy like me too because despite the fact that that i'm a public speaker you know i'm a preacher all of this stuff i'm i'm super duper introverted like in these moments i can i can talk and i feel comfortable i actually feel more comfortable in a room like in front of a bunch of people than i do like one-on-one like i start sweating if i'm in a car with someone or if I'm in an elevator or on a plane and someone's talking to me that I don't know, like I just, it's weird. And my wife is totally opposite. Like she can talk to anyone. She loves talking. Like I'll put on headphones to like pretend like I'm doing something else. So I don't have to talk. It's, it's weird.
0: How funny, how funny. I've I uh, heard other athletes also kind of tell me the same thing. They used to do those beats by Dre's, you know, the big ones that way. They could be oblivious to the world. Yeah. <laughs>
1: playing on them.
0: <laughs> so we always like to finish off the, uh, the podcast with a challenge. If I was to ask you, if you had something to challenge dads with, mm. what would you think to, to throw out as a weekly challenge for them?
1: I would say to establish plan of intentionality. So, you know, I, I and I'm kind of getting this from you in the moment, because one of the things that you said that I really liked was when you were talking about, you know, individuals that maybe you've asked before, like, hey, what do you do on the weekend? Or what do you do here? And, and I think all of us kind of have those dead moments where, you know, we, we don't really spend enough time being intentional about how we spend our time. I felt really convicted, I'll be honest, recently about how I spend my time. I, I really just like, you know, as I prayed, and I was asking God, like, how can I be more productive? And, you know, in some areas, like I started looking at my time and I'm just like, man, I waste a lot of time. Like there's a lot of time that I just, I could be being productive and I don't. And so I started planning things out. I started writing things out. So that would be my challenge. So not just, you know, with your work schedule or, you know, making sure you go to the gym every day. I'm saying like that family time, like how can you be intentional? What one or two things can you do every week? You know, maybe setting aside 20 minutes if you got two kids if you got one kid if you got five kids you know 20 minutes with each of them where they feel like they're getting personal attention from you you know as a parent or as a dad i just think it can go a long ways I, i've developed a new level of closeness with both of my kids because of that personal time not just time where we're all together and you know we're playing pool or riding bikes but no just just me and you buddy or or, or me and you sweetheart, like. That time has been valuable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of a short story. Something happened on a Sunday and it involved a few people I knew, and it was a little bit of chaos. And I knew there was a guy that had the answer and it was a, a work related type of thing. So I sent him a text and he responds back. And the re- reply was Hey, if this has to do with work, would it be okay if this waited until tomorrow? Or if you want to catch up about, You know, family or something like that, I can, you know, call you in about 15 minutes. (laughs) I said, Well, this is about work. I can catch you tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm doing some personal development stuff and I'm learning how to set boundaries. And I'm also learning how to value me because it's something I don't do. Like I, I just give away my time, give away my energy, give away my focus. And, and so in doing that, one of the things that I've learned is to do things like what you say, and, and it's amazing the response you get from people, people honor that when they see someone that's like, that sets boundaries and says, um, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I won't be on my phone after three. So, you know, if, if you can't get to me before then the rest of the night, I'll be with my wife or we're going out to dinner and I want, I want her to have my full attention. People really respect that, you know, and, and, and I didn't know because I just wasn't doing it. I was just trying to be available to her and them and, you know, having my attention divided. And I'm just learning like in setting those boundaries, like it's an amazing feeling. Like Mondays, I, I don't do anything, like not, not for anyone else. You know, it's, it's just, hey, I'm gonna be around the house with my wife. She doesn't work or do anything on Mondays. And so, you know, hey, we're gonna do a little cleaning up, whatever she wants to do. We may have breakfast you know, but I'm not going to do any emails, no work, none of that. I've just decided that, you know, since this year started and it's been phenomenal.
0: <laughs> we got a pastor friend of mine here in town and he's like, don't mess with me on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> not being mean, but like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to recuperate. And this is my one day where I try to shield because I got to work on Sundays right? And, and, you know, running a church and, you know, running the services and stuff. I was like, oh, that's cool. Everyone so like, he'll call me on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey man, he's no, it's okay. This one's within my rules. I'm reaching out about whatever. So having those boundaries and guidelines and stuff and uh, something for you, I, I learned this a while, while ago. There's a book called, um, uh, it's by Adam Grant and I'm losing the name of it, but it's about uh, givers, takers, matchers, and givers. Givers are at the top and the bottom of the success ladder. The givers at the top have goals. The givers at the bottom that are just natural, give, 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 give. They don't have any goals attached to where they're going. The ones at the top always have goals attached to where they're going. And that's where some of those boundaries and just different things start coming in. And it's like a filter. Mm. So when you're in the focus given mode, something comes in and you think, does that line up with my goals? I still want to help. Right. What's a way where I can give help, but maybe not an hour? Right. Because I want to go over here towards my goal. Yeah. Or yeah, that fits in, but I got another. But anyway, givers, takers, matchers. Most people are matchers, but a lot of people are givers and givers are the most successful, but they got to have goals attached to the given side.
1: I love that. And, and that that's a book that I really want to read. It's, it's crazy that even just hearing you explain that, it's like a concept that God has been revealing to me without me ever like being exposed to it but as you were saying it I'm like oh it makes sense because this is the space that I've fallen into and it feels odd but it feels liberating to set those boundaries like i've said no in the last 30 days more than i ever have and and i used to feel guilty about saying no because i just i've always i just have a heart to help like i always want to help And I started thinking to myself, literally, I felt like just because I have the ability to assist in something doesn't mean that that's what God is calling me to do. And forever, I just thought like, oh, well, if I can make this better, then I need to just make this better. I need to help in some kind of way. And it was making me deficient. It was taken away from my family. It was taken away from my own personal aspirations and goals. And and I kept getting sidetracked because I was just trying to be everybody's savior and never say no. Like just do whatever I could do to assist. And I'm just like, what you just said makes sense. It's like, hey, if this takes me away from the direction I'm going like, you know, I'll, I'll answer your question. I'll do what I can when I can, but I'm not going to meet you're dead to save you in this moment because it's going to set me back
0: <laughs> just like my buddy hey it's sunday i spend time with my family and blah 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 and i'll do family and friend stuff on sunday but i won't work unless i absolutely have to and right. i'm like okay
1: <laughs> i
0: totally respect you and i'm i'm using that next time i get a sunday request too <laughs>
1: lovely lovely
0: Oh, I appreciate you so much. Uh, we'll share uh, we'll share your links and stuff in the show notes for everybody, and uh, uh, get on that challenge, everybody, this week. Uh, look for an area in your life where you should be more intentional and put some intentionality behind it, so you can make some progress. And uh, you know, whether that be connecting with your kids, connecting with your wife, or just unlocking something inside of yourself and getting past some limiting belief that you have you know, living that, that better life, that uh, spiritual leader of your home and guys, it gets better and better and better when you're hanging around people that are better and better and better. So it's all about who you hang with folks.
1: Absolutely. Iron sharpens iron.
0: <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. It sure does. Thank you so much, Vernon. Look forward to catching up again here soon.
1: Thank you,
0: Dan Rad. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. Helps me be accountable to myself